Today I want to preach about it's not too late. It's not too late as we conclude these series of messages about a, a spiritual restart for our children. I'm going to ask if you will open your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 11. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Listen to what God's Word says. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Amen. It's not too late. I want to read these excerpts from a message from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I believe it was concerning the Vietnam War and the decisions and actions of the U.S. He said, we are now faced with the fact, my friends, that tomorrow is today. We are confronted with the fierce urgency of now. There is such a thing as being too late. Procrastination is still the thief of time. Life often leaves us standing bare, naked, and dejected with a loss of opportunity. Martin Luther King Jr. is warning us against procrastination and hesitation, putting off for tomorrow what we know we ought to be doing today. He says, today is tomorrow. And he also stated that the saddest words in the English language are too late. And some of us have been putting God off and telling God next time and next Sunday and next week and next month and next year. And we put off having that relationship with him, that walk with him, that commitment to his church. And not only put it off for ourselves, but we put it off for our children, our sons and our daughters. But I want you to understand that our God is a God of grace and mercy. Our God is a God of favor. That no matter what you've done and where you've been, the mistakes you've made, the hesitations that you have, God told me to tell you that it's not too late to get it right with him. It's not too late to believe Jesus died on the cross and God raised him from the dead and receive him by faith and get in Christ and get in church and get in the kingdom of God the way you're supposed to get it done. Because God has so much favor and grace, it's not too late. There was this uh, boy in Germany, eight years old, and the, the authority said that he somehow went into this, this drainage sewer, this sewer drainage. And when he went down in there, he got disoriented and couldn't figure out how to get out. So he's stuck in the sewage, the sewage drainer, and, 
And his parents, when he didn't come home, of course, they called the police trying to figure out where their son was. So the police is looking, the family's looking, friends, neighbors, everybody's looking for this eight-year-old boy over in Germany. And then they get a call, and a man says he saw the little boy with this particular man. And so the police thought now that he was murdered. They thought he was dead. And come to find out that was a false statement. And, but they, they stopped the search anyway. Eight days went by. They gave up trying to find this little boy until they got a call on the eighth day from a man that said that under this, this manhole cover, he's been hearing some noise. So the police come back out. They bring others with them. And they go down, they pull up this manhole cover and find the boy is stuck in this sewer drainage. And for eight days, he's been down there stuck because he got in there, got disoriented, and couldn't figure out how to get out. Here's why I brought that story up. Because that's what has happened to some of us. That we never intended to become alcoholics. We just got into something, got disoriented, and can't figure out how to get out. We didn't intend to become drug addicts. Nobody starts off saying, I'm going to be a drug addict. Nobody intended to keep getting into these illicit sexual affairs, one person after another, these ungodly relationships, and frequently these freaky friendships. Nobody wanted to do that. Some of us just got into some stuff, got disoriented, and can't figure out how to get out. But God is a God of grace. Christianity helps us to understand that things don't always have to be like they always have been. That God can pull you out of whatever you're in. It's not too late. Here in Luke chapter 7, this is a woman that's in a bad situation. It's, it's, her situation is so chaotic. It's so confusing. It, it, she's in, a, she's in a, bad, a bad way. The text says she lives in name and that she's a widow. Her husband has preceded her in death. Her husband is dead. And you got to understand in the first century in that male-dominated society, women got their value from the men in their life. So her value came from her husband. Now her husband is dead. She got her affirmation, confirmation, and identification from her husband. He's dead. And not only is this relationship dead, but her resources are depleted. This is where she got her resources from. She got them from her husband. I already know what you're thinking in the 21st century. You're thinking, well, she could just go get a job. She just start working. She can reinvest in herself and go back to school, put herself in a position to get a job and get some resources in. Not in the first century. When there was a sexist society, they wouldn't allow women to go to school to learn to read and write. They wouldn't uh, allow women to work. They wouldn't allow women to have jobs like that to make. They needed a man in their life to get that done. Aren't, sisters, aren't y'all glad this is the 21st century? That you don't have to wait on a man for your affirmation, confirmation, and identification. You somebody all by yourself. Aren't you glad this is the 21st century, ladies, so you, you don't have to have an important man to be important. You already important because you got a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Aren't you glad? You don't have to wait on a man to bring his resources. You get your own resources. Get your own job. Make your own money. Get your own career. Get your own degree. Buy your own house. Get your own car. I thought y'all be saying amen on this. 
but I'm showing you how bad it was for her. The relationship is dead. And no matter how bad she may have wanted to still be with this man, she'll never be with him again. It's over. It's dead. She'll never get resources from him. And it says she had only one son. So now she was in a situation, she's raising her son without the help of his father. I'm trying to show you how bad it was for her. She's got a son, and she's trying to raise him, but she's trying to raise him without the help of his father. And, you know, that goes whether he's dead or dead beat. If he ain't there, he ain't there. And so she has to deal with this situation. Then her son dies. You're talking about chaotic, confusion, a, a chaos. That's what she's dealing with, a bad situation. Her son died. No, no parent should have a child precede them in death. And, and in this situation, when the husband was not there to, to provide the resources, the grown son then would take on that responsibility. But this grown son can't take on that responsibility because now he's dead. And I want to say something about him being dead. Because in the, in the Bible, when we're reading scriptures, so often it shows us something in the physical to explain something to us in the spiritual. It'll show us something in the physical to give us insight to something in the spiritual. He's dead physically because Luke is trying to show us that some of us are dead spiritually. The Apostle Paul says it like this. You were dead in trespasses and in sin. Because some of us are dead and don't even know it. Because, you know, we, we so spiritual now. Oh, I'm just, I, I, don't, I don't have to go to church. I don't, I don't, I don't need all that because I'm so spiritual. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. He's the bread of life. He's the living water. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the resurrection and the life. And the Apostle John says, he that hath the Son hath life. He that does not have the Son of God does not have life. You can think you all spiritual, but if you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. Paul says you're dead in trespasses and in sin. And unfortunately for some of us, it's not just us. Our children are dead in trespasses and in sin. And, and some of us are dead and don't know it, but there are signs to being dead. Signs to being dead, yes. One way we know this boy is dead because he can't see. When you're dead, your senses don't work. Yeah, you can't, can't see. So if his mama talking about, do you see what I'm saying? Do you see how valuable this is? You see how necessary this is? You see how responsible you should be? No, he can't see it because dead people can't see. It's a sign of death when, when your senses don't work. Y'all catch up with me in a minute. He can't hear. So his mom is saying, are you listening to me? Did you hear what I told you to do? Did you hear me? No, he can't hear. He's dead. And then talking about, well, you, need, you know you need to get a job. He can't work because he can't hear and he can't see. He can't even hear the supervisor giving instruction on what he's supposed to do. And I know he's dead because nothing moves him. I don't know how many funerals I've done. I, I started preaching when I was 17 years old. I don't know how many funerals I've done. I don't know how many I've officiated. But I do know in every single one, the person in the casket never moved. And I'm talking about we're crying. Y'all know how we do it. We're crying everywhere, falling out all over the place. 
and the person in the casket never moved because nothing moves you when you're dead. He's so insensitive, his mama crying doesn't even move. His mama's crying. And he, it, it doesn't, when you don't, when you're not moved by your mama's tears, he's dead. That's, that's why the Apostle Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 1 says, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered into the heart of, of humanity what God has in store for them. Because when you don't know Jesus, you can't see, you can't hear, and your heart is not right. But if you keep reading in, in 1 Corinthians, it says, but the Holy Spirit has revealed it unto you. So once you accept Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit moves inside of you. Now you start seeing what you can't see. You start hearing what you couldn't hear. Your heart becomes right to love in a way you couldn't love before. Am I making sense today? He's, he's, and you're talking about he's dead. He can't even be in a healthy relationship because his senses don't work. You got to have sense to be in a relationship. You got to be able to see it here. You got to be able to love. He, he is so messed up that he, his mama's crying doesn't even impact him. There's a, a, a boy named Tyler. Well, uh, Tyler's 14. And he, Edinburgh, Indiana, he's going his way to high school. He wants to play football. And the coaches at the, at the high school want him to play football because at 14, he was 6 feet 1, 275 pounds. So they wanted him on the team. 6'1", 275, you automatically make the team. So he made the team, but he couldn't practice with them, and he couldn't play, not because he was injured, but because they couldn't find the helmet to fit Tyler's head. His head was 28 inches. They ain't had that size helmet on the freshman football team, so they went to the varsity, the upperclassmen. Maybe there's a helmet they can sit down. Nope, they didn't have a helmet big enough with the varsity. So they went to universities and colleges and their football programs, not just in Indiana, all over the nation to find a helmet big enough for Tyler's head, couldn't find one. They reached out to the NFL, because those are the biggest heads, some of the biggest heads in the world. So they reached out to the NFL. NFL started checking around, and they went to Ted Washington. Ted Washington used to play for the Chicago Bears. And Ted Washington had the biggest head in the NFL. So they went to him. And he didn't mind letting the boy have his, some of his helmets. But even then, his head was bigger than Ted Washington, the biggest head in the NFL. They couldn't find a helmet for him. The company that made the helmets for the NFL told uh, the team that they would make a helmet for him. But his mother and father would have to sign a waiver that if something happens and his head gets damaged, then they're not going to be held liable. And the parents said, this is football. We're not going to sign something like that. So here he is. He made the team. He, and he, here's what Tyler said. I had everything I needed except the helmet. So he couldn't play, couldn't practice, couldn't participate because he had everything he needed except the helmet. Because if you got everything you need but your head still ain't right, it still ain't going to work for you. You got everything you need, but your head ain't covered. Here's why I brought that up. Because I know some of y'all looking for friendships and healthy relationships, and you're looking who's, who you're going to spend the rest of your life with, and you're looking at everything they have except their head. But it, I know you're looking at the car, you're looking at the house, you're looking at the money, you're looking at the job, you're looking at the career, and all, all that's fine. But if they got everything they need, but their head ain't right, 
You're still not going to have a decent relationship. That's why Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. And when he said put on the whole armor of God, the first place he started was with the helmet of salvation. You got to get your head right. This is a messed up situation. The, the, the husband is dead. The son is dead. She's moving into poverty. Life has changed. But then Jesus showed up. And, and, and Jesus, Christ is the kind of Christ that will show up in your crisis. Jesus was just leaving Capernaum. He had just blessed them. This guy was sick, uh, serving at the house of a centurion soldier. Jesus blessed him. And then Jesus comes and leaving Capernaum. He's on his way to Nain, and he's got a whole crowd, a large crowd is with him on his way to Nain. He gets there. There's a crowd that's coming out. And the crowd that's coming out is this funeral procession with the widow and her son, and they're on their way out. And then here comes Jesus. And, and so you got two crowds here. I was just going to preach about these two crowds because that's all there are, two crowds. There's the crowd with Jesus, and there's the crowd without Jesus. I wanted y'all to understand, ain't but two crowds. There's heaven and hell. There's the Savior and Satan. There's right and wrong. I wish I had somebody. There's good and evil. There's truth and a lie. Jesus said, if you're not for me, then you are against me. There are only two crowds. And Jesus shows up, and I love this, because Jesus sees this woman in her bad situation, and he stops, and he shows up for her. That's amazing to me, that God will show up in our crisis Y'all, do y'all know how busy God is? Do y'all know what's on God's schedule and agenda? And in the midst of all he has going on, he'll show up right in your hurt, right in your pain. God has not forgotten about it. He'll stop for you. And I mean, he's busy. He's running the universe. He got to make sure the sun rises in the east and then sets in the west. God's got to make sure that the sun is 93 million miles away because if it was any closer to the earth, we'd all burn up. If it was any further away, we'd all freeze to death. God's got to make sure the moon stays right where it's supposed to stay because if it got any closer to where we are, there would be tsunamis everywhere because the moon is the one that determines the flow of the rivers and the waters. And then God got to bless other people and save. God's so busy, but I'm so glad he never gets too busy to show up for you and show up for me even in our crisis. Y'all ain't saying amen to this. J. Iris went to Jesus and said, I got a 12-year-old daughter at home. Please come and heal. And Jesus said, I'll come. Here comes Jesus with another crowd on their way to J. Iris' house. This woman who had been sick 12 years comes up behind Jesus through that crowd and touched the tassels on his robe. And power left out of Jesus. And when power left out, she got healed. Jesus didn't keep walking. Jesus stopped. And say, I just want you to know your faith is what gave you that healing that you have. I'm trying to show you he'll stop in your crisis. There was another crowd following Jesus. He went through another community. And there was a little short dude that wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't see Jesus because all the crowd. So he decided, Zach decided he's going to run ahead of the crowd, climb in a tree, and wait on Jesus, the text says, to pass by. But when Jesus got there, he didn't pass by. He stopped, called Zacchaeus by his name, and brought salvation to his house that day. He stopped for him. Bartimaeus was blind, and he's sitting on the side of the road begging. He couldn't see, but he could still hear. And he heard Jesus was passing by, 
And he said, son of David, have mercy on me. Folk were saying, man, be quiet. Leave them alone. And Jesus didn't keep going. He stopped and gave Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus his sight. And I know I got some witnesses in here that know the Lord has stopped for you in your Christ. Man, if that don't shout you, I bet this will. When Jesus was dying on the cross for our sins, a thief next to him said, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Jesus said, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. This was on Friday. He didn't say, well, if you hang around till Sunday, when I get up from the dead, I'll get you in. He said, no, today, you're going to be with me. Jesus stopped dying took the man off the cross, got him in glory to make good on the. And I know somebody can testify that there have been times in your crisis that Jesus stopped for you. I got to keep on moving, but he'll stop. Somebody, I, I was doing all this studying for this passage, looking at different commentaries and looking at different theologians, and some were saying this was a coincidence. This was an accidental meeting that Jesus was coming from Nain and these, these, they were taking him, they were taking this young man in funeral possession and it just so happened by chance Jesus was there. No, no, this ain't no accident. This is providence. This is no accident. This is intent. God doesn't move by chance. God moves by choice. And Jesus chose in this crisis when you're hurting the most, you're still grieving from your son that I'm going to show up on purpose in your life and give you what you need. I got to keep rolling. He saw her. He stops. And then the text says, Jesus showed compassion to her. He showed compassion for her. He loved her because if she's not careful, she'll think, God must not love me. My husband's dead. My son is dead. I don't know how I'm going to get my ends to meet. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know how I'm going to get resources in. I'm grieving. She might have been thinking, God must not love me to let me go through all of this. No, Jesus showed compassion. I guarantee you I'm preaching to somebody right now that think God doesn't love them. That when we preach about the love of God, they think it's for everybody but them. Because how could God let me go through this? How could God let me experience this if he really loved me? God can't help but to love you. He's God. The Apostle John says that God is love. His very nature and character and attribute is love. He can't help but to love you. And when you question the love of God, y'all look at Calvary. Don't look at your situation Look at Calvary. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Calvary shouts that God loves us. And Jesus showed compassion in this woman's life. Compassion? Yeah. He had pity and power. Jesus had empathy and empowerment. Jesus had sympathy and strength. Because you got to have both of them. Because there are people who are sensitive to your needs. They sympathize. They stop. They show up. But they ain't got the power to do anything. Then you got some people that got the strength and the power. They ain't got enough compassion to stop and help. You got to have both. Jesus has the sympathy and he has the strength and shows up in this woman's life 
and does for her what she couldn't do for herself. Watch this. Here's, the, here's what, he's, here's what the, the, the compassion Jesus shows. Watch his love. He's helping raise this woman's son without the help of his father. Y'all got to get my play on words. I'm trying to move through this. I said Jesus loves her. He, this compassion. He's going to help her to raise her son without any resource from his father. And when he's helping to raise her son, he's helping her without trying to hit on her. Okay, I'm, I'll slow it down because y'all don't seem to be getting it. He, he's, he, he's assisting a single mother raising a son without the father, but he's assisting her without sexually assaulting her. I'm trying to say it as nice as I possibly can, y'all. He's, he, he's, he's showing compassion without coming on to her. He comes alongside her without coming, uh, uh, trying to come on to her. Y'all, just because you help a sister with her son don't mean he, she owes you some. Jesus said, I'm going to show you what love is all about, that I'm going to help raise this boy and I'm going to help raise him in the absence of his father. Y'all, this is, this is so powerful. When you have Jesus present, it doesn't matter who's absent. I, I know. I know how important it is to have a mother in a child's life. Believe me, my, my mother was a, a great mother. I know how important to have that mother in your life. I know how important it is to have your father in your life. All kind of studies on that. I, I didn't grow up with my father. I know how significant that is to have a mother and father. But some of us were raised in homes. It wasn't like that. That we had a single mother that was raising us without our father or we had a single father that was raising us without our mother. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you got Jesus, you can make it with any, without anybody. Because the presence of the divine supersedes the absence of a daddy. Y'all ain't getting this. The presence of the Messiah supersedes the absence of a mother. If you got God on your side, you are more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can't be 40 years old talking about the reason I, I didn't achieve, the reason I can't make it, the reason because my father left when I was six. Well, when you were six, that was on your father. When you 40, that's on you. That's on you now. And it's not too late. You can get with Jesus. I'm telling you, he can make a difference. I had more to say there. But I want you to understand that some of us think I have messed up for so long that nothing can happen for me. Or I've tried so hard, nothing has happened Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, and now it's too late, and it's not. I, this past Sunday, the reason I wasn't here this past Sunday, I was preaching in Newark, uh, Newark, New Jersey, for the Metropolitan Church, Pastor David Jefferson, and it's a wonderful ministry. And he called me at the last minute and asked me to come. I'm like, man, it's, it's 4th of July weekend, man. Everybody with their family. So, but he was so helpful to me in thinking through the Rock Initiative from a pastor's perspective. He... David Jefferson has like five or six degrees. He has two master's degrees. I think he got two MBAs. One of them is from MIT. Got a master's of divinity. Then he has a doctorate of jurisprudence. 
I mean, he just, he's an incredible person, and he really helped me to think through all this stuff. So he invited me to the last minute. I decided I was going to go. Now, normally when, when I go to preach for somebody, I'll, I'll take the first flight out because I want to get there early because I got to take a power nap every, I'm old. I got to take a power nap 20 minutes every day so I can make it through my day. And then I'll, I'll stay another day so I can rest up from, from the Sunday. But this time, it's a holiday. I should, I should be at Easter Star Church. I got a guest coming in. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the last thing from Indianapolis heading to Newark. And then I'm going to take the first thing coming back. As soon as church is over, drive me to the airport. I'm coming right back so I can at least take our guests to dinner. And then I'm on my way to the airport in Indianapolis, get ready to head to Newark to preach for Metropolitan Church. I get a text message from the airline, the United Airlines. They got a direct flight, hour and a half from Indianapolis to Newark. And the, and the text message was, your flight has been canceled. Now, remember, this is the last flight from Indianapolis to Newark and my flight has been canceled. Now I can't go. I've made a commitment. I'm kind of happy because, you know, <laughs> supposed to be at Eastern Star anyway. It's canceled. But then that wasn't the only text they sent me. They sent me one right after that that said that we have rebooked you to go through Chicago to get to Newark. My flight was canceled. I thought I wasn't going to get to my destination. But United Airlines rebooked me without me calling, without me going online. I didn't do anything. They automatically rebooked me. Preacher, why are you telling us this? Because some of y'all had aspirations and goals. You thought you were going to be the greatest of all time. You had a destination and a destiny, and your stuff got canceled. Your marriage got canceled. That friendship got canceled. That job got canceled. That career got canceled. That money got canceled. And now you think you can't make it to your destination. If United Airlines has an automatic rebooking, don't you know our God loves you so much? He has automatically rebooked you to get you to where you're going. I got to keep rolling. I got one more and I'm done. And that is, we serve a Christ that will speak to you in your situation. Our Christ speaks to your situation, but he speaks to you in that confusion, in that chaos. Jesus shows up, and when he shows up, he speaks to the mother first. He says, uh, he says don't cry. Don't cry? Her husband's dead. Her son is dead. Her resources are gone. Life is getting ready to change for her. Don't cry. He could say that because he knows what he's getting ready to do. And if you can, Jesus said in essence, if you can trust me for what I'm getting ready to do, there ought to be a time you stop crying and stand back and watch me work. That's what he's saying. I need to spend more time with that, but I want to move on. But he speaks to the mother first. Then he speaks to the son because if he gets the son right and the mom is still messed up, you still going to have some major issues in that home. So I'm going to work on this mother so that your thinking is right as I'm getting your son together. Now watch what Jesus does with the son. He speaks to the son and uh, no, no, here, here, here's what it says in verse 12. Now let me, let me take you back to the original language. This is written in Hebrew. This is old, this, uh, uh, written in Greek, written in Greek, New Testament, written in Greek. And, and in the Greek, verse 12 says, uh, that the boy died. The boy was dead. In verse 14, it says, Jesus said, young man, get up. 
Uh, then in verse 15, it says, the boy set up, started talking. Jesus gave him to his mother. Y'all got to get this. It's in the original language. I know different English translations, but in the original Greek language, it says uh, in verse 12, the boy was dead. In verse 14, Jesus said, young man, get up. Verse 15, the boy sat up. Is he a boy or is he a man? Which is it? I'm thinking that he's in transition from boyhood to manhood. And in the midst of that transition from boyhood to manhood, before he could fully embrace what manhood was, he died. That the possibility of, of having the full potential of manhood never came to him because he died in the transition from boyhood to man. Do y'all know how many of our daughters are lost going from girlhood to womanhood? Do y'all know how many of our sons are lost going from boyhood to manhood, never experiencing what it really means to be in womanhood or manhood because they died in the transition? But as it was happening in this boy's life, Jesus spoke to the man in the boy. The boy died. Jesus is going to give the boy back to his mother. But when he spoke to him, he said, young man, you're in transition. There is a man in you. And the only way I'm going to get it out of you is with the word Jesus. Okay, all right. I could have I closed right there, but y'all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I have four grown sons, and I remember my grown sons, before they reached manhood, I remember that transition. They'd be sitting around the house, and i look at them, and they look like a little boy. i turn away, look back. They look like a grown man. They're in transition. They, they start talking, sound like a little boy. And the next time they talk, they sound like a grown man. That there, there would be times that they would make immature decisions like a boy. And then the next day, they make a mature decision like a man. They're in transition. There were times at the house, I would work them like a man. And then the next thing, I'd see them over there playing like a boy. And I praise God that my sons didn't die in the transition. Y'all, it's not too late for your sons. It's not too late for your daughter. Jesus can't turn it around. When Jesus spoke to him, he spoke to the man in the boy. It's not chronological. It's not about age. Because you can be 40 years old and act like a boy. Y'all ain't helping me with this. You can look like a man and act like a boy because you didn't experience the transition because you didn't open up to let Jesus speak to the man in you. So you stop playing like a boy and start working like a man. Preach, Jeffrey Johnson. I'm doing the best I can. And when Jesus spoke to the man in the boy, it changed his position. He now set up. He was dead. Now he's alive. His position changed. His conversation changed. He couldn't even talk because he was dead. Now he sits up and he begins to talk and change his destination, change his destiny. 
He was on his way out of the community. He was on his way to a dead environment, but Jesus turned that away. Now he's on his way to his mama's house. I'm so glad I serve a God that whatever position you in, when his word shows up, he'll change your position, change how you walk, change how you talk, and change your destiny. Anybody know he can turn it around for you? I got to close. I got to close. I'll close like this, but I just want you to know that it's not too late. This is, um, this, was, this happened over in Costa Rica. This, this baby sloth, this animal, this baby sloth fell out of a tall tree. And when, when the, the, the sloth fell out of the tree, it got disoriented and ended up on the beach, disconnected from its mother. The, mother's look, the mother sloth is looking for her baby, but she, don't, she goes up in the tree trying to find her baby. Well, the baby is, is on the beach, disoriented and crying. And so somebody from the Jaguar Rescue Center saw the baby sloth lost and crying and hurting and, and took the baby sloth back to, the, to that center, gave it a checkup. Y'all know how we do our animals. Gave it a checkup, gave him something to eat, and then went back to the tree to try to get the mother sloth to come down from the tree and come and get her baby. What they did was when the baby was crying, they taped the cries of the baby. And when they taped the cries of the baby and they brought the baby to the tree, they held the tape device up so that the mother sloth could hear her baby cry. When she heard her baby cry, she came down from way up there to way down here to, to embrace her baby and get her baby rescued. God told Moses to tell the children of Israel, I have seen your afflictions. I have heard your cries. I have come down to rescue you. Y'all, God has seen your afflictions. He hears you when you cry. He's already come down in Jesus, wrapped himself up in humanity, came to this earth, died on the cross. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do I have a witness in here? It is not too late. Please stand with me if you can.